Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So friends, as you heard me say at the beginning of Mass, today we celebrate the feast day of St. Rose of Lima, who is just a saint that I have a particular love for, in a large part because my, my very first goddaughter, her name is Rose, so Rose of Lima is her patron and takes her little feast day. So I love Rose of Lima because I love my goddaughter. Anyway, so we're joined today by our Sacred, Hull, uh, Sacred, Sacred Heart of Jesus school staff. Staff, raise your hands. There we go. Hi, guys. Okay, so it's wonderful to have their, they're on retreat today for uh, the beginning of the school year. And we're joined by Bill Donahue from the Theology of the Body Institute. Bill, raise your hand. There we go. There's Bill. Okay. Bill is uh, the senior lecturer of the Theology of the Body Institute, and uh, he's going to be giving a retreat for our uh, parish and school staff today, and it's, uh, it's a privilege to have you, Bill. So, the gospel that we have today on this Feast of Rose of Lima from Matthew, uh, it's one of those gospels, it, similar to the gospel that we had this past Sunday, it's one of those gospels that gets, it gets under people's skin. Like, there's a sense of this gospel, you hear it, and there's, I mean, I can't be the only one, but there's a part of my heart that bubbles up every time even reading it where you're like, that just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem fair. So let's back up and just kind of get a running start into this parable and just remind ourselves that Jesus' parables, his parables are meant to overturn our preconceived notions of how things are. Right? His parables, um, a better way to think of them, Dr. Brant Petrie, who's a biblical scholar, He suggests that a better way to think of Jesus' parables are, they're kind of like riddles of sort. That in every parable, there's this sort of twist. In Hebrew, it's called the nimshal. But there's this twist that that overturns how you expect this story to go. And that's certainly the case with this. So you've got this landowner who, the first twist, of course, in this parable is that the landowner himself is the one who's running around trying to find laborers for his vineyard. This is not what landowners do. He typically would have just told his foreman, go do this, and he would have done it. But it's the landowner who's going out trying to find laborers for his vineyard. And he goes to people early in the morning, tells them, I'll pay you the usual daily wage. Then he goes find people at nine o'clock, then at noon, then at three o'clock, then at five. So you've got all these people who've been working for various periods of time in the vineyard. Notice again, it's the landowner going out five times to do this. It almost seems as though he's less interested in, in having people um, working. As he, it's, it's, he seems more interested, I should say, in trying to have as many people as possible included in the work. That's what it seems like. So he tells him at the end of the day, he tells his foreman, gather the laborers, and we're going to settle accounts. We're going to pay them. But then he tells them, he tells the foreman, start with the people who were hired last, which is deliberate and odd, Right? It's almost as if he wants the people who are hired in the beginning of the day to have this overturning of their expectations confronted with their thoughts that we were going to get paid more. He could have avoided all of it if he said, just start with the earliest people. Pay them, send them on the way. Then the next group comes in and he pays them and they're like, oh my gosh, that's a full daily wage. Sends them on their way. He could have done that. He could have done that, but he didn't. He didn't. They get angry. They get angry, and and maybe we do too. And Jesus asks the question, are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I am generous? 
You know, the reason we think this parable is unfair is because because deep down there are parts of our heart that have yet to be converted because we still think that heaven is a thing that I achieve by working really hard for it. We still think that our efforts, our amassing of virtues, our amassing of good things, that we will, be, we will be rewarded according to our efforts. Deep down, mostly because we're modern Americans, we're still Pelagian. Pelagianism was a heresy that was condemned early in the church, but like all good heresies, it just never goes away. It just stays in the body and it kind of comes up manifesting in different times and different eras. But Pelagius was a bishop who said that salvation was a thing that we earned by our own efforts. We worked our way into heaven. We worked our way into heaven. And that's why we think this is unfair. What we don't realize, I think, is that this is a parable not about economics. This is a parable about the kingdom of God. It's a parable about It's revealing God's passionate pursuit of us. It's about a God who only knows how to love. It's about a God whose heart rushes towards to find the lost. It's the God who bankrupts heaven to find one lost sinner. It's the same logic of the God who says, I leave 99 sheep to go in search of the one. Like, teachers, and 99% is an A-plus every day of the week when I was a kid in school. Like, Jesus is not settled with 99%. Like, one lost sheep is one too many. Like, this is a God who is passionate in his pursuit of us. He's scurrying around the countryside to find these laborers. It's an image of the incarnation. It's an image of the king who says, I'm going to throw a feast, a wedding feast for my son, and I want everyone to be invited. Right, remember this parable, the great wedding feast. And he sends out people to invite people into his feast. And he sends them out to the highways and the hedgerows and the byways. And he says, I want my hall to be filled. He wants as many people to be included as possible. This is an image of the good shepherd. This is an image of the prodigal father who runs out to bring his son home. The problem is this, that all of us, in many ways, all of us think that we are part of the 6 a.m. crew. We think we're part of the 6 a.m. crew, that maybe it's you've been a cradle Catholic your whole life, or, or you come to daily Mass, you come to Sunday Mass, or you're, you teach in a Catholic school. I've taught in a Catholic school for 30 years, whatever it might be. We all think in some ways that we're part of the 6 a.m. crew. Friends, none of us are in the 6 a.m. crew. All of us are part of the 5 p.m. crew. We're all part of the 5 p.m. crew. We're all these unbelievably lost folks who are the beneficiaries of an unbelievable love. Like Jesus is always finding the lost. Like there really is no such thing as the 99 good ones. There's only lost sheep. (laughs) There's only lost coins. There's only prodigal sons and daughters. There's only the 5 p.m. crew. And the amazing thing about being part of the 5 p.m. crew is that he gives you everything. He gives you everything. So friends, I just want to invite us on this Feast of Rose of Lima, a saint who so knew the mercy of Jesus. Just open our hearts again to this incredible generosity, this unbelievable mercy, this goodness of our God who looks upon us and says, "I, I want to give you everything. Amen.